Hello and welcome to a special Rewind episode of the Raise Your Game Show. I'm your host, Alan Stein Jr. If you're new to our show, each of the previous 12 seasons have had a different theme, a different format, and a different approach to unpacking and dissecting both individual and organizational performance. These Rewind episodes take a look back at some of my all-time favorite shows, in case you missed them the first time around, or in case you'd like to give them a second listen. I hope you enjoy, and more importantly, I hope this Rewind episode helps you raise your game. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Welcome to the Raise Your Game Show, a podcast that unpacks and dissects the strategies and principles of high performance in sports and business. Here's your host, Alan Stein Jr. In season one of the Raise Your Game Show, I went back to my vault and pulled out eight of my most powerful interviews ever. From the likes of Gary Vee, Kevin Durant, Mark Cuban, and Brad Stevens, and re-explored their timeless wisdom. In season two, I unpack the power of storytelling and take a deeper dive into 12 of my all-time favorite stories, six of which are signature stories I tell regularly in all of my keynotes, workshops, and trainings, and six stories which I've rarely told publicly before. I believe captivating storytelling is the most effective way to teach lessons and inspire behavior change. In this season, I hand-selected two good friends and colleagues to share their unique perspective on these stories and to get clarity on the application these lessons have in their areas of expertise. In this episode, I am joined by David DeWolf, the president and CEO of Three Pillar Global and the best-selling author of The Product Mindset, Succeed in the Digital Economy by Changing the Way Your Organization Thinks. David is one of the most prolific business leaders I've ever met. David and I are going to dissect and discuss my signature story of the first time I had a conversation with Coach K and why the little things make a big difference and how this directly applies to business leadership. Let's take a listen to this story when it was performed live on stage during one of my 2019 keynotes. Mike Krzyzewski is the coach at Duke and he is the all-time winningest coach in men's college basketball. One of the best ever do it. He's been coaching as long as I've been breathing. And as a young coach, he was someone that I certainly looked up to and respected. But to be quite honest with you, I downright idolized him as a coach. And I was working at Montrose Christian, which is the school that Kevin Durant graduated from. And one day in 2008, I come up to our very small gym. And Coach K's standing there. I think he was glowing. Don't quote me on that, but I think he was glowing. Now, I had never met him. And I had a chance to talk to him for about 10 minutes. And the crazy part is, I'm much more aware and mindful and present today than I was back then, because I don't remember a single word that either one of us said. Not a single word. But I'll never forget how he made me feel. He had very warm facial expressions and open body language. He made great eye contact. He nodded when I was saying stuff. He asked me insightful questions. He made me feel like I was the most important person in that gym. I wasn't. The kid he was recruiting was more important than I was, but he made me feel like I was the most important person in the gym. Now, I was raised old school. 
My parents taught me that when someone does something nice for you, goes out of their way to do something nice for you, you handwrite them a thank you note. So I went home that night and I handwrote them a thank you note. Coach K, thank you so much for your time today. You have no idea what this meant to me. I've admired you from afar for many, many, many years. I wish you and Duke continued success. Put a stamp on it, sent it off to Durham, North Carolina. And I figured that would be that. Three weeks later, I go to my mailbox and I get a letter back. Now, for reference, I only bring this when I speak. I don't just walk around all the time holding this just to make sure we're on the same page. I'm not... Dear Alan, thank you for your note. I enjoyed our conversation at Montrose. You've done a terrific job there, and obviously you've built a national reputation. I'm so happy for you. Take care, Coach K. Now, I know some of you might not be able to see this, but it's on the front of a postcard. Even if he's slow, how long do you think it took him to write this? Maybe 60 seconds? Maybe? Can we agree that over the course of our lifetime, 60 seconds is a little thing? Well, this little thing had a huge impact on my life. This little thing is the reason that I personally go out of my way to return every email, every voice message, every text message, and every social inquiry I can. Because I figure if Coach K, the face of college basketball, and one of the busiest men in sport can make the time to send me a note, then you better believe I can make the time to return your phone call. Or, or to return your email. This little thing has had a profound impact on my life because this little thing is the reason I personally aim to have an attitude of gratitude with everything that I do. My goal every single day is to tell as many people as I can that I appreciate them, to show gratitude. Because once again, if the face of college basketball can make the time to show gratitude to me and absolute no one, then you better believe I can do that, especially to the people I care about most. So don't forget, when it comes to communication, there's always going to be an underlying message. When you handwrite someone a note, what is the message that you're telling them? Aside from what you wrote, what's the real message that you're telling them? You matter to me. Oh, it's good. That's right. He ain't lying. <laughs> and now, Alan and David will deconstruct this story and dissect the most impactful lessons. Do you remember the first time you heard that story uh, about Coach K? and the handwritten uh, note, the handwritten right? note. Oh, yeah. man, I love it. My well, mom would be so proud. I bet so. <laughs> So, so talk to me as a, as a leader of a massive organization, when you heard that story, what's the initial response? What does it make you reflect on and think? Yeah, I, mean, I, I think there's two aspects of it, right? The first one is the little things, right? A handwritten note is a little thing, though, in today's society, probably a big thing, yeah. <laughs> right? Because it's a little thing that people just don't do anymore. And, and, and thinking about what are those aspects in our lives. But the other one is 
it really called out to me the attention to the person, Mm -hmm. the dignity of the person, the care that Coach K has for the individual, I think is also a lesson that really struck me, quite frankly, maybe even more than the note itself. Absolutely. That he took attention to the individuals in his life and was willing to build that relationship, was willing to honor them. Um, That's, to me that what that note signifies right is is the honoring of the person right that he was willing to send you a handwritten note to take that little bit of time um and that those little things that he was focused on were the little things that mattered to the person that expressed to the person that you matter and to me that you matter is what's so important as a leader he was focused on were the little things that mattered to the person that expressed to the person that you matter. And to me that you matter is what's so important as a leader. Um, Because too often leaders believe that leadership is a privilege Mm. and it's not, it's a responsibility. Leadership is about the other person. It's about the team. And investing in others. And that's what Coach K did at that point in time. He shows you that you matter. For sure. Now, what I really love your perspective on when we look at three pillar and what you guys do here, I mean, you're a a, a digital type company. I mean, your goal, uh, you do things with automation and digitization and 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 use the technologies that are just mind blowing today. How do you balance that with mm-hmm. the importance of something as analog as a handwritten <laughs> note? And you have such brilliant minds that work here uh, with you and for you and alongside you that are just, I mean, trailblazers in this digital automation space. Mm-hmm. How do you convince them that handwriting a note to a teammate uh, could be better than anything they could do digitally. Yeah, it's funny you ask that because I actually got a handwritten note on my desk when I walked in this morning uh, to the office, just amazingly from one of my leadership team members. And I thought, wow, immediately knowing that we're going to have this conversation, thought, wow, Coach K, look at that. Yeah. Um, So it it does happen. Uh, The other thing it makes me think of, though, is... um, in this digital world, I believe one of the problems with it, right? Lots. I mean, I'm the biggest advocate for it, right? I'm in the space, right? Yeah. So I have nothing against technology, but I think it has dehumanized yeah. our relationships. And I think that's problematic. I'll give you a great example that I live. Um, I went through a phase where I would take notes on my laptop or on my iPad. Uh-huh. And I found that I was becoming a worse listener, Mm. that I was not building rapport and really listening to people and engaged in conversations. I wasn't present because I had a screen in front of my face. So I now carry around a notebook. And I do my planning for the day on a notebook. I take my notebook into meetings and I can't stand it when people have laptops in a meeting and they're open. I can't stand it when somebody, I know they're taking notes. Of course. But I just know it gets in the way. I mean, think about a laptop. It's a barrier. If you and I are sitting across the table, it is literally a barrier. That screen is sitting up between you and I, and my eyes are down. They're not at you. Yes. Right? And there's a disconnect in our communication. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so whether you're talking about a handwritten note, whether you're talking about taking notes, um, digital technology can be really, really powerful. Yes. Automation matters, right? I use a digital calendar. Absolutely. But I plan my day on paper. And so I think like so many things in life, the problem with digital is that we've taken it to an extreme and we've used it as a golden hammer for everything. Mm. We haven't yet recognized and realized that there are weaknesses to it and we have to use the right tool for the right job. Say what?
The problem with digital is that we've taken it to an extreme and we've used it as a golden hammer for everything. Mm. We haven't yet recognized and realized that there are weaknesses to it and we have to use the right tool for the right job. For sure. And um, and so I think making that something that all of us are aware of, right? So the notebooks that I use to plan my day, I, I've actually handed them out to a couple leaders that I think have struggled with aspects that this notebook and this planner actually solves for me. For um, sure. And not being afraid to be the guy that runs a technology company that walks around with a notebook right like just little things like that matter and then encouraging people sometimes having the hard conversation hey too many laptop screens are open right now we're about to get into a really important part of this meeting will everybody close their laptops for me i really want everybody engaged right just little things like that to communicate that people still matter that the individual matters it's not just the content coming out of their mouth that you have to write down right but that we need to engage and have a human relationship to me that really really matters and i think that can i know it's a current separator for you guys but i think you can continue to widen that gap because um i know you all are so prolific and innovative in the technologies that you have and that you design however on some level, technologies can be mimicked and can be copied. So totally. there's nothing that says a competitor can't be doing many of the same things you're doing, mm-hmm. even if you have a head start, but they can never mimic or copy your people. Mm-hmm. They can't mimic or copy the culture that you've created, mm-hmm. the connection that you have, not only with I- internal teammates, but from uh, to, to facing your clients and the relationship you build with them. And, and you yeah. said it right there. The message, the underlying message you send when you're staring at your laptop and looking down, even though everyone in the room knows you're type, taping notes yep. unconsciously it sends this message that i'm not listening to you i'm preoccupied uh, and let's be honest with laptops because i experienced this as a speaker there's a noise involved <laughs> there is the hitting of the keys which right. also is somewhat distracting and yep. it's like i'm trying to get a message across to david and he's hitting his thing and he's looking down there's this barrier in between us yep. it, it just it, it doesn't work and we all know there's all sorts of notifications right oh, for sure. fla- flashing up this and that and so distraction on the screen itself you might be typing notes with good intent but that doesn't mean the email notification is coming up up. and we all know that's going on on the other side and and i think what you just said there though about um about culture and how much those things matter you can't take your people can't take you the culture i'm going to take that even further i'm going to double down on that i'm going to say that there is no differentiator left in business we live in such a knowledge economy in such an information economy yes nobody knows anything that i don't know or don't have access to yes right I can get the same research, I can get the same information, I can find out whatever I want. Yes. I don't even think our strategies are differentiating anymore. No. Because it's about execution on them, and the only way you can execute is if you have unbelievable culture and team. Say what? It's about execution on them, and the only way you can execute is if you have unbelievable culture and team yeah right and so i think more than ever before in our history in this digital age the power of team harnessing the power of unique minds coming together and sharing what only they can contribute into a team environment and the ability to harness that into something that creates outsized impact yes that's what matters yes and nobody can replicate that that is something that is unique to the people yes it's unique to the culture culture and the organization and it's the 
only differentiation that's left in this society is relationships it, and thus no pulling in recruiting and attracting the right people and developing the right people and then fostering strong relationships with those people and yes. especially to your clients is what separates you from everyone else absolutely and you just hit on the key point so often we think about the team as the team nucleus yeah. right of just okay the five people i work with well no 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 we live in complex dynamic organisms yeah right and so yeah i have my team that I'm part of, but then I have my team and my team yes. and our team, right? And so there is, right? Think about the hierarchy of an organization. There is an executive team, yeah. but that executive team is typically part of a senior leadership team. Yep. And that senior leadership team is typically part of a broader management team. And oh, by the way, the company itself is part of a team that it creates with its clients and has to have that relationship. And oh, by the way, the CEO is part of a team of board members that represent the shareholders. And oh, by the way, the um, procurement folks are part of a team that works with outside vendors, right? And all of these relationships need to do two things, right? Number one, they have to serve the whole. The yes. point is to accomplish something that we couldn't accomplish on our own. But we often forget they also need to serve the individual mm. because there is nothing more dignifying to a human person than being part of something that's greater than themselves, where they are pushed and challenged to grow to be the best version of themselves. Say what? There is nothing more dignifying to a human person than being part of something that's greater than themselves, where they are pushed and challenged to grow to be the best version of themselves. So teamwork works in both directions. Yes, we can change the world by accomplishing something, but also we can change a life by accomplishing it with each other. And that's what gets me up in the morning and what I think of when I think of this culture question of how does it differentiate you? It's so, so powerful. I love that. Two things that I've thought of since I've originally told this story, and both involve colleagues. Uh, one is my friend uh, James Clear, who wrote the book Atomic Habits. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when we talk about, let's just use the example of handwriting a, a note, a thank yep. you note to someone. Yep. Um, most people feel at least an unconscious friction in doing that because all right, now I got to go find some stationery and then I got to yeah. get a pen and do I even have David's address? And right. uh, I don't even think I have stamps. Now I got to go down to the, and you, you already come up with this list of why this small task is now, it's going to defeat you. Yep. Uh, so when you look at uh, how important environment is, something I learned from James Clear, he said, you know, if handwriting thank you notes is important to you, then have a stack of stationery on the corner of your desk. Sure. Have a roll of stamps there. Uh, make sure that you collect everyone's physical address anytime you input them in your phone. Like get rid of all of yep. the friction that would prevent you from doing that. And that will actually increase the chance of you handwriting notes. I, I, I love that. And I think it is about the friction itself, right? Everybody's going to have their own nuance, right? I love the story of the handwritten note, but everybody's not going to buy into that being their little thing. Of course. But whatever it is, think about those friction points. So yes. I'll give you an example from my own life. Please. One of my friction points um, is hard conversations are hard for me, mm -hmm. right? And so one of the things I have committed to is after every meeting where there's something that I want to tweak or I didn't love about how it went down, I'm going to follow up and make sure that I have that one-on-one -on -one conversation with the person in the meeting that I thought could have done something a little bit differently or yep. didn't respond in a way that I thought was as charitable as it should have been or, you know, whatever it is. Um, and so I've actually made time in my calendar where, you know what, Cheryl, who's my yeah. uh, EA, like, I want to make sure there's 15 minutes between every meeting that I have. So yeah. I have some buffer. Um, and you know what, I want to block off time just to have time for space and to be able to go have that conversation. Hey, you know, 10 minutes ago, we were just in that meeting and 
you know, there was a look on your face that I'm concerned about. Can we can we talk about that? What was that intended to be? Yeah. Right. Um, because otherwise those things fester and get out of control. So my friction point was busyness. My friction point was I worked way too hard and I was doing way too many things. And so I never had time for that. And so by the time it came around, it was too far from the event. And it seemed like it was making it too big of a deal rather than being this, hey, small, short, little, hey, can we just talk about that real quick? It became, I got to sit down and I got to schedule time to talk about this. And it became a performance conversation and it wasn't supposed to be. Right. Right. And so learning to identify those friction points for the things you know you should be doing but you're not doing and following up on them is essential and i'm hearing you say you identify them in advance and then you go ahead and do some things in advance of even having to have that conversation that allows it to facilitate on an easier level well there's a this also makes me think i have another colleague her name is neen james a brilliant speaker and she wrote a book called attention pays okay Uh, if you haven't read it i'm going to gift it to you because it's brilliant and she brought up something which i later found out was something coach k practice she calls it systemized thoughtfulness and if we'll i'll just keep using the handwritten example handwritten note example but then you can take that wherever you want Uh, an example of systemized thoughtfulness would be uh, every monday morning from 9 to 9 30 i will never schedule anything other other than I'm going to handwrite thank you notes. So for 30 minutes, I'm going to write as many of them as I can. And I'll always keep this running log of, of who I want to send them to. Uh, so on her end, yep. it's very systematized. Yep. Uh, there is a, there's a time, there's a date. Uh, she has all the materials, everything's ready. What I love about it is as the recipient, yep. it doesn't feel systematized to you. Yep. You actually feel like, Neen just stopped what she was doing that day and hand wrote me a note because she really cares about me. You don't realize that she wrote 60 other notes during that half hour period. So it's, it's a really neat way to do that. And, and I bring that up because I later found out from coach K's assistant, someone Uh who's been with him for 30 years, that that's what he does. This entire time I felt like I was the only person he hand wrote a note to, and he has written tens of thousands of those notes, which is cool because it doesn't make me feel any less special. If anything, it makes me respect him even more sure. that I found a way that I can start making sure that I do those so little cool. things. And, and with what you were just explaining on, on how you, uh, kind of systematized your ability to have those hard conversations yep. in advance, it's the exact same concept. Yeah. So uh, I love that concept. I've never heard of it before, but I think when we talk about scaling culture in an organizations, what comes to my mind is, Oh my God, gosh, it's hard to scale culture. And I've experienced this myself just firsthand of going from entrepreneur um, of having a six-person team, we're all in the same office, right? Seeing everybody in the company all day to a thousand people, every step along the way, how do you scale that? And this year, um, there's been one aspect of it that I've been really struggling with, um, which is the larger we get, the more disconnected I get from individuals where I can express what's important to me. And so as a leadership team here recently, um, we wanted to be more deliberate about scaling culture and making sure that we're engaging, especially our technical leaders that I don't always get FaceTime with. Um, And so as a leadership team, we've, we've started to make weekly commitments to each other around what are we going to do to convey our core values and our beliefs and our appreciation for those that live them. And the dramatic impact that I saw from committing every single week, you know what? I'm going to send these three emails to these technical leads who I have heard stories of Mm -hmm. who have lived our values and let them know, you know what? I appreciate this about you. That was something that I, I couldn't crack the nut on how to do. Couldn't find enough time until we came up with this system that in our leadership team meeting every single week, the first 15 minutes, 
we sit around and we make commitments to each other. And we hold each other accountable that we're going to get it done by the next week. And guess what? Like clockwork, all of a sudden, little short notes. It's not taking a ton of time, but I'm able to get them out. And um, you can scale culture that way. And that's how Coach K has scaled culture, right? And I think as leaders, we can look at that for our organizations and begin to do those little things. And that's what it is. It's the accumulation of little things over time that turn into the big things. And it creates habits. I have caught myself since then in the middle of the week thinking, oh my gosh, I just heard that story. I need to write a note. And I never even committed to do it in my sequence because now it's top of mind. If you'd like to read about this signature story in my book, Raise Your Game, you can order a team set for everyone in your organization. I can even offer you a 40% discount and can sign each copy. And if you really want to raise your game, you should check out my new facilitator guidebook and team member workbook, two reinforcement resources to help guide your team to higher performance. Just visit raiseyourgamebook.com or email me directly at alan at allensteinjr.com for more info or to order now. Well, that's it for me. I hope this has helped you raise your game. Now-